Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. Tonight, we're also being simulcast on uh, WBCA Radio 102.9 FM. Tonight, we continue our election coverage. Uh, that's right, uh, it should be special election coverage. It's not September or November, but with the sudden resignation of two state house members from Boston, there's special elections scheduled for early in May. And tonight, you'll meet two more of the candidates. Uh, first up tonight from uh, Jamaica Plain, running in the 10th Suffolk District, Celia Siegel joins us. And then on the second half, uh, from the 9th Suffolk District, John Moran joins us. All that and more tonight on Talking the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back with Talk in the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heiser, your host tonight. Some special election coverage. Uh, two upcoming state house races, the 9th Suffolk, centered largely in the South End, and also the 10th Suffolk, which includes uh, West Roxbury, parts of Jamaica Plain, and a little piece of uh, Brookline, also parts of Roslindale. And tonight, on the first half, joining me, one of the candidates, uh, all Democrats in this race, uh, a three-way race uh, that'll be decided May second, if I recall correctly. Uh, I'm very pleased to have joining me uh, uh, Celia Siegel uh, joins us, one of the three candidates from the Tenth Suffolk. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming by and joining us. Um, well, uh, this district's been redrawn a bit, but uh, includes a, a, a sizable chunk of Jamaica Plain, where you're from. Uh, you, you are, uh, by profession, a healthcare regulator with the uh, the state. What what uh, inspired you to run for public office uh, when you know so many others are unwilling to do so? Uh, kind of in this political climate, what 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 inspired you to jump into this race? Sure. So I've been a, a healthcare advocate for a long time. Um, I've I started as an organizer working 
largely in communities in Lynn and Worcester, organizing around uh, controlling the costs of health care. Uh, and, and then uh, became the political director at NARAL Pro-Choice. And what I admired most about our legislators, uh, the ones I worked with at least, were the ones on the inside who worked with the statewide organizations mm -hmm. and coalitions um, to help to uh, get enough votes and identify who, what legislators we needed to persuade uh, and work with those statewide groups to go into districts and, and find the right uh, community members to, to uh, persuade that legislator. And, um, there were legislators I worked with um, who I really admired who were able to help us target in the uh, state house. Um, and I r wanted to run because I wanted to be a part of those statewide movements yeah. uh, working with the statewide groups. I could do groups. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've really developed a expertise in healthcare policy. I've also worked in um, housing, uh, uh, in, uh, increasing access to affordable housing in the state. Mm. Um, and these are the things that I think are really critical right now um, in, in our state, in our economy. Um, we're seeing as we come out of COVID, um, just uh, our, our uh, hospitals have uh, uh, need more uh, hospital people to work in the hospitals. Our schools need more people to work in the hospitals. Um, and we see it in Boston. We see it across the state. And I feel like my skill set as an advocate and organizer mm -hmm. and uh, is, is suited for that role, this role. Well, um, yeah, certainly uh, health care and health care costs continue to be a a major factor, at least in, in, in budgetary terms, and uh, you know, and and you know, having done having your background working, you said with Nero and then Healthcare for All. Uh, what what do you? What's been your experience of the best skills, the most important skills for a lawmaker to kind of bring to the office when they first get elected? I think it's um, importantly not being too harsh <laughs> uh, and kind of taking people from where they're at and understanding their interests and then uh, trying to align interests mm -hmm. to, to make, uh, uh, to successfully pass legislation. I think it's... it's uh, Do you think uh, 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 public officials are judged too harshly sometimes? Is that, am I... I don't think they're judged too harshly. I just think it's important to think of them as as kind of neutral <laughs> and the goal I'm of an advocate molded, right? yeah. is to persuade them yeah. and I think that's the role a legis uh, effective legislator can act as is, is how do I who, who's with me who can I persuade and how do we persuade that person and maybe it's a conversation one-on-one -on -one, or maybe it's going into the community and finding the right group of um, uh, community members from a housing organization or a, a minister or a faith-based organization and how do we organize within the community to create the mm -hmm. most compelling case for that legislator. Um, and so I, I see legislators as not necessarily good or bad but rather just normal humans are trying mm -hmm. to make the best decision on behalf of their community and how do we align their community so that to deliver to them um, something that is in their interest. Mm -hmm. Well, this seat uh, came open with the uh, resignation of Representative uh, Ed Coppinger from uh, uh, West Roxbury. How was he as a lawmaker, in your opinion? Was he doing a good job? So uh, he, uh, I was recently redistricted into his district. Mm -hmm. So my neighborhood in Jamaica Plain wasn't always part of his, of his district. Mm -hmm. So it's only been two years. Um, I honestly didn't have any relationship with him during those 
two. It wasn't even. I don't even. It wasn't even two years right. because it all happened so quickly after the census in twenty twenty. He's well regarded in certain neighborhoods for his constituent services, especially. Mm -hmm. um, so he showed up, um, and that's a really important part of being a legislator: is showing up in the community um, uh, and making sure that uh, if you. Uh, you know, need to navigate DCR for a, a new road construction. We have a lot of roads that are maintained by yes, DCR. Yeah, in our, in our, um, uh, if he, my sense is that he showed up for uh, West Roxbury mm -hmm. in certain ways. Now, not everyone feels that way. Um, and I think his emphasis was really on, um, on that part of being a legislator, which is kind of a community someone involved in the community. Mm -hmm. Constituent work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is important and is something that I've done before um, in my role working in, I worked for a U.S. Senator. Um, it's important to be engaged with the community. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of what he, his, his policy priorities were, um, he wrote a lot on prescription drugs. He's now going to work for MassBio. Um, so he wrote a lot on, of bills um, related to uh, the, the biotech industry's interests, mm -hmm. um, which are, um, I mean, pe people can... May or may not be a, a good thing, right? Uh, I yeah, I don't know what the influence is well, in the district, yeah. <laughs> well, um, now I understand, is, is the filing deadline passed to mm -hmm. co-papers? So yep. three candidates in the race, one of them was a former aide to city councilor, one of them, or both of them were former mm -hmm. aides to city councilors. Uh, uh, what what differentiates you from your opponents? And I'm not looking for you to oh, yeah. criticize them, but I mean, you know, help us understand. And those people that are watching, mm -hmm. what what uh, differentiates you from them? Sure. So um, the uh, both Rob and Billy, who uh, have both done really important work on on from a city perspective, mm -hmm. um, and they both worked for city councilors. Um, I think what differentiates me is I've. I have um, passed several uh, pieces of legislation through the state house and have know how to navigate the state house, and mm -hmm. so uh, I helped to pass um, uh, sixty million dollars in new funding to uh, for community health programs to prevent things like childhood asthma and hypertension and provide mm -hmm. food for seniors who had uh, food insecurity. I uh, helped to pass a law that. Uh, that prohibited the practice of handcuffing women um, to the bed during childbirth who were incarcerated uh, and provided them with pregnancy and postpartum mm -hmm. care. Wow. Um, and uh, I did that both by having a state house strategy and by having a press strategy and a district by district strategy. And I think that is a really important part of being a legislator is knowing how to navigate the state house um, and also knowing how to line interests with other legislators, not just going for your your block of votes that you have every time, but mm -hmm. figuring out how you expand that uh, block of votes to have a larger majority and getting to that 90 vote threshold um, so that you can uh, uh, bring the speaker on on board. Right, doing partnerships. Uh, how, where would you? Where do you see yourself politically in the you know kind of scheme of things? Uh, um. I I don't know if I have a, necessarily a strong label. I've worked on a lot of issues that people uh, that are considered progressive issues, um, but I also am not an ideologue. Um, and I understand that in order to the main point of a legislator is passing laws and building enough. Uh, 
uh, building enough partnerships with people across. You mm -hmm. need a coalition of votes to get things through. Yeah. Um, and I've, my experience is building those coalitions of votes. I agree. I, you know, I think that's a part a lot of people don't really understand. What do you see as the, uh, the biggest need of your district? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and I know you know. There's the larger issues which you clearly uh, have an interest in, mm -hmm. and, and would probably continue to work on. But what do you see as the biggest need of your district? The like number one thing I hear in our district is housing. Uh, people need access to housing. People who have their kids uh, who can't afford to move back home into the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard stories of seniors who are scared to sell their house uh, because they think that they'll, they won't be able to find somewhere else to live in the community that they lived for 50 years. And so I think housing is the number one thing that I hear on the mm -hmm. campaign trail, um, especially senior housing. West Roxbury has a really big senior population. Um, uh, and so I would say housing. The other thing that I hear a lot is, uh, and there was just a Globe article about this, um, uh, is is childcare costs, uh, and if you have, I had, I have three young kids, mm -hmm. um, five, three, and three. I have twins. Wow. Last year, I had all three of them in preschool at the same time, and it was a full income for in our house. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have, if you're a single parent um, or you have multiple young kids, uh, childcare costs are just prohibitive. Um, and it's forcing oftentimes women out of the workforce because they have to choose on whether they want to stay in the workforce um, and earn enough income to, and it nets out exactly, um, or, or uh, leave the workforce and take care of their kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just makes more sense to leave the workforce because you're not gaining any income out of it. Yeah, I'd say a real you know, difficult choice. I think that's, that's fair to say. If you're elected, uh, what what will be your 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 primary goals? What will you what will you consider a success uh, two years down the road, or maybe even four years down the road? Uh, mm -hmm. That uh, if you're able to accomplish, and you know how difficult it is to pass legislation, mm -hmm. it's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. What would you? What, how will you like to be defined, so to speak? Yeah. So I would like to be defined as a coalition builder um, and a policy, uh, kind of getting in the weeds and rolling up my sleeves on mm -hmm. policy. So I, uh, am, I am very knowledgeable about health care. And right now uh, we have uh, um, deductibles can go up to $18,000 for a family. So on top of your premiums, you can be spending $18,000 um, out of pocket. And yeah. it, that goes up every year because it's pegged to inflation. Um, and I think we can set stronger parameters as a state for how much we're how much we're requiring people to pay out of pocket. Um, some people who need high cost drugs in particular have to spend, uh, have to spend $3,000 in uh, their first month of the year just to access wow. things that prevent their uh, MS from progressing or that treats their cancer pain. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think we can do better as a state in controlling the costs of health care and controlling uh, how much patients are paying out of pocket. Well, you know, uh, and Charlie Baker, and not just to single him out, but uh, other public officials have been talking about that for a long time, but uh, don't seem to have made much progress. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do you think that is, and why do you think that you might be able to help do something about that? 
I think this is what I've been doing for the last five years, and so I know I know these trade-offs, and I know that there can be the appetite in the state house to um, to so long as you know how to count the votes and, and yeah. negotiate. And so that's uh, I, I think that if Congress can do it, if Congress can pass reforms. Uh, on a national yeah, level yeah. for Medicare, I think we can figure out how to do it here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about finding um, agreement uh, on, on these issues. Well, you, you seem very knowledgeable and you've got mm-hmm. great experience to, to bring to the task, but you know, governing is one thing. Uh, uh, winning an election is a whole other thing. How, how are you going to win this election? That's an <laughs> interesting district, you know, like you said. And West Roxbury has changed a lot. It used to be, you know, pretty fairly conservative, but it, it's changed quite a bit. And you know, Roslindale, uh, of course, is a is a big part of it. And your own uh, neighborhood, uh, Jamaica Plain, that's a yep. high voting area. That's mm-hmm. a whole uh, Moss Hill area, and uh, of course, Brookline always has mm-hmm. big turnout. But uh, what's the key in your mind to winning that seat? And it's uh, there won't be. Uh, there, you know, a, a Republican. Uh, there could always be a write-in candidate, mm-hmm. but in all likelihood, whoever wins the primary on May second wins the seat. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think we, we've done a lot of work to identify our coalition that we need to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, you mentioned it. It's a very diverse district, and it's a new district, so we don't really know what the district is co- mm-hmm. capable of. Um, so it includes Jamaica Plain and. Roslindale, which are typically more, for lack of a better, left-leaning than yeah. West Roxbury. Yeah. But West Roxbury is really changing. Um, and there's been several elections in recent years that have kind of helped to generate the data uh, so that we can do a pretty targeted campaign in areas that have done well, um, typically. I think um, uh, JP is, of course, where I live. I know a lot of people in our neighborhoods. I grew up in Brookline. Um, I know I know the Brookline precinct. It's a very small precinct, yeah, but I know the... it's not a real big one, but... Yeah, but it's one every, precinct. Everybody votes over there, so... And interestingly, Brookline has their town elections that day. Um, the same day? The same day, so oh, they schedule... That should, so, that should, so, uh, so more people than normal would go to the Brookline elections than I think yeah. in Boston. Um, and then... Uh, my mom grew up in West Roxbury, uh, so we have roots in West Roxbury. Um, my, my, and, and I'm finding, actually speaking with voters in West Roxbury, um, there's so much to gain for my campaign because people are hungry for kind of a new perspective who isn't uh, alienating, who's going to... Um, uh, who's going to represent them and their interests. And so, uh, and, and Rosendale also, there's a lot of uh, people are really excited about my background as an organizer at NARAL Pro-Choice mm-hmm. um, and, and political director. Um, and I think the issues I'm running on, how, access to affordable housing, uh, access to affordable health care, access to affordable child care, and the fact that people are getting priced out of our neighborhoods because of these things are really cross-cutting across these across these three mm-hmm. uh, communities, four communities. And, and frankly, it, it's four communities, but there's so much fluidity across these communities. Um, I, where I live is just at the intersection of all four of these communities, and so I, I don't see them as, as different. I see them as all kind of part of the same ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Of Very interesting. <laughs> uh, again, uh, talking with uh, Celia Siegel, uh, running uh, one of the three candidates running for the 10th Suffolk House District. I think we have a map of that as well. 
if we could bring that up and you know for our viewers you can see including Brookline, Roslindale, Jamaica Plain and almost all of West Roxbury. We have just a few minutes left uh, uh, Celia and I wanted to ask you uh, if you're watching the news and I'm sure you are. State Auditor Diane DiZoglio says the legislature needs to be audited. Do you agree with her? Good question. Yeah. You know, I have—I <laughs> I must admit, I haven't been following this news story. To me, it feels like a lot of sparring right now between yeah. the auditor and, and the speaker. Um, and so, I—I Desaglio I, I, has her experience from the House. Yep, um, and the Senate. And yeah. the Senate. Yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, clearly, she brings that experience into her new role as yeah. an auditor. And uh, I anticipate they'll be able to come to some agreement. Um, but well, hopefully, you know, it'd be very interesting. Of course, uh, uh, the speaker and I, I think the uh, Senate president has said as well that uh, uh, they don't think she has the authority to do it, and all the and all of their records are open to the public anyway. That's their line, but uh, makes for an interesting. Uh, it's a good news uh, story. Yeah, it is a good <laughs> news story. Uh, can you work with the current uh, legislative leadership? Uh, can you work with uh, Speaker? Uh, the speaker and his uh, now he's got uh, two of his top people are our Boston reps, of mm -hmm. course, uh, uh, Michael Moran from Brighton and mm -hmm. uh, you know, Aaron Michaelwitz from uh, North End is the Ways and Means chairman. I mean, you have and to be. Mariano is from Quincy, not uh -huh. that far away. But uh, can you work with those people? You, I mean, that's what being a legislator is. You have to be right now. So I have to. So much power is concentrated uh -huh. at the top. Um, and I, but but you have to, as a legislator, be able to work within that within that structure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wouldn't, I would absolutely have to work with with leadership if I wanted to get anything done. Right. Well, there's a, a couple of uh, hot button uh, bills that are, I don't know if they'll still be there mm -hmm. uh, if you're elected and you're sworn in. Mm -hmm. But uh, of course, uh, Mayor Wu uh, and the Boston City Council just passed legislation for. Uh, they're calling it a rent stabilization mm -hmm. bill. Some people calling it rent control. That would mm -hmm. cap the increases on, on rent uh, for certain uh, landlords. Is that something you could support? Uh, and if so, why? Yes, I, I'm very vocally support, supportive of uh, rent stabilization. Uh, in a lot of ways, what the mayor proposed really doesn't impact a huge amount of landlords. Uh, and there was actually just an, uh, some uh, uh, analysis of that uh, article in the mm -hmm. Globe talking about how this is really just uh, trying to control the extreme scenarios um, where, where rents are raising more than a 10 percentage point percent right, in, a year, uh, in a year. Which is still quite a bit, you know. Which is a lot. So um, I do support the, what the mayor has proposed and um, but we know that home rule uh, in Boston doesn't necessarily mean that we can get the votes. And what I would, would say is that's, again, what I've been running on is we need in Boston, if we want to do rent stabilization, we need to convince uh, legislators in, in Fitchburg, in Newton, in, uh, in Lemonster, we need to get them on board too um, and convince them that th this, is, this is in the best interest of the whole state. Um, and so uh, I am supportive of it. And well, that, that's not the only thing the mayor wants to do. Of course, she wants to uh, reorganize the BR, the former BRA, mm -hmm. and now BPDA. I think I have that right. And uh, among uh, other things, uh, you know, make uh, 
the MBTA free. Uh, mm -hmm. are, how's she doing? Is she headed in the right direction? And you, mm -hmm. somebody, she's somebody you can work with, you can support, you feel like? Yes, I'm. I'm an old mayor loyalist. Yeah. I, I think she is wonderful, and she's been doing such amazing work for the city. Um, I, um, I know uh, she's been doing a lot of work on reforming uh, the the uh, BRA and making sure yep. that uh, zoning laws are updated. Right now, our zoning laws are really antiquated, and development around things like affordable housing are is too driven by developers, and there's not a real partnership with the city. Um, and the city can play a stronger role to identify what our goals are as a city for affordable housing um, and what how we can accomplish that in in different neighborhoods because right now we're seeing um, a lot of housing going up in east boston and a lot of housing going up in lower mills and a lot of in maybe in dudley but not every neighborhood mm -hmm. is carrying its fair share um, and we need to make sure every neighborhood is is building housing and we have a, a citywide and a statewide goal on on how mm -hmm. much housing we need and and where it needs to go do we have that? Do you think we're clear on that? I mean, not everybody, uh, you know, you, you run into, uh, especially, you know, out in, in some of your neighborhoods mm -hmm. here, uh, uh, you know, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's not, uh, while I think everybody agrees that we need more housing, uh, <laughs> some people think it should be someplace else. Uh, right. How do you convince them? We've got just a minute or two left, and I wanted to... We need a process. We need a city process. We need to have neighborhood meetings for a year, and then we have to construct a plan. We have to have a mm -hmm. blueprint, and then we have to have a 10-year plan on affordable housing um, on a city level and a state level. Um, and it takes community process, and it takes community buy-in. Um, you can't just do it without, without having these neighborhood conversations. Um, but I think the community process is really important. Um, and I think the mayor's been doing a really good job at, at making sure that um, that there's a that the that the zoning and the the new process at the uh, Boston Development uh, BRDA is uh, is is guided towards this master plan mm -hmm. that the city uh, can be behind. Well, there's certainly been a lot of construction in certain areas, and some fear that uh, you know you may. Uh, uh, you know, kill the golden goose that has, you know, created all this development and mm -hmm. and the tax revenues that uh, help to power and allow for other things to happen. Mm -hmm. You believe that, or how do you how do you balance that uh, development versus you know uh, uh, being sensitive to you know some of the other issues that are. I think it just takes building trust within communities mm -hmm. and having this co deep community process to understand. So, like, uh, for instance, um, like there's in, in the MBTA's Communities Act, there's some real, in, in, in the surrounding communities, mm -hmm. not in Boston, there's some really important local issues that we need to address right. in, in, in collaboration with the state. Um, and I think these things can be addressed. We just need to address them. Um, and so it's, I think it's really important we, that every municipality uh, passes new zoning rules to comply with the MBTA Communities Act. But there are some really important local issues that need to be addressed as mm -hmm. part of that uh, in collaboration Not with the Not every state. community is on board with that either. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it may take uh, you know, a little arm twisting here and there as well. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, certainly in Boston, it seems like uh, there's support for, you know, building housing on whatever, uh, you know, 
especially mm -hmm. along MBTA or near commuter rail lines, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So. Well, right now it's just it's it there need it's there not every neighborhood is carrying their fair share, and it's just about making sure every. Mm -hmm. I mean, people in West Roxbury who've lived there forever. Yeah, are they carrying their fair share? Do you think? I mean, they want to stay in West Roxbury, and so it's in their personal interest. Um, I, I met I I maybe already mentioned I met with um, some seniors who. Um, who lived in a house where the owner had died, and so the, it was being sold off, and they were they had nowhere to move. They didn't want to leave Boston. They'd lived here for nope. 50 years, and so we need to make sure that it um, that uh, we are building more houses for seniors. We mm -hmm. need to make sure we're building more affordable houses so that people can stay in our neighborhoods. I know for me, personally, I have three young kids. Um, we live in a three bedroom like we really need that extra bedroom like it, and it's almost impossible in the city of Boston to afford a place right. with four bedrooms um, and so creating a choice in housing along the entire continuum for single units to um, multifamilies to houses that have four bedrooms um, to senior <laughs> houses to people who are downsizing we just need more choice um, in West Roxbury on that well, if you elect uh Celia Siegel, you will, <laughs> maybe you will all have more choice. Uh, yes. You know, been, uh, and thank you for coming in, and best of luck on the election. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Again, uh, Celia Siegel, is, uh, she's a health care regulator, lives in Jamaica Plain, and running for election to the 10th Suffolk House District seat. That's a seat that opened up when Representative Ed Coppinger resigned. So on that primary will be May 2nd. Keep that in mind, a very important election. When we come back with more of Talk to the Neighborhoods, well, we'll continue with polit local politics. Uh, joining me, one of the candidates running for the ninth Suffolk House seat, uh, also same thing, a special election on May 2nd. Uh, John Moran joins us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Last Sunday's St. Patrick's Day breakfast did not disappoint. Full of cheer, lively music, and every shade of green you can imagine, the breakfast, which has been a tradition for over a century, has a special meaning for all who are lucky enough to be seated on the dais. You're supposed to come and roast and make jokes, but at the same time, remind folks about the pride that folks take in Southie, St. Patrick's Day, Evacuation Day. So it's a combination. I love it. It's great to be here, and it's great to actually be able to celebrate with colleagues and have a good time. I have a little bit of Irish heritage. Uh, I'm mostly Italian and Greek, uh, according to my understanding from what I've heard from my family members. My name is Diana DiZoglio, but this month I go by Diana O. DiZoglio uh, to make sure that we have some fun at these events. It's a great tradition uh, that's you know, gone on for, for generations. We, you know, we come together, we celebrate uh, as a community, a city, a state, um, our, our Irish heritage, our Irish history, but also you know, get together, have a meal, poke some fun at each other, uh, and just you know, try to really enjoy the day. It's an honor to be on the dais. It's an honor to uh, try to contribute something uh, to this iconic event, but it is incredibly nerve-wracking. So uh, my favorite part, I think, is uh, when my time at the mic is over and I can go back, return safely to my seat and just uh, share in laughs and be in community with my colleagues. Iron Workers Local 7 Union served up the intimate venue to celebrate the Irish heritage of the Commonwealth. State leaders and invited guests enjoyed a hearty breakfast served with plenty of good music. She 
Senator Nick Collins set the tone with casual banter and tomfoolery, making room for the true main course, the roast of our elected city and state officials. It is like coming home. You know, my, my wife frequently tells my, my, uh, my girls, you know, when I first met your father, he was an iron worker. Then he went to law school and became a lawyer. Then he, then he went and ran for office and became a politician, she says. It's been one disappointment after another. We've got a female mayor, a female governor, a female lieutenant governor, four female members of the federal delegation. So I want to say this. Men, please don't get discouraged. One day in our future, maybe not in our lifetime, but our children's children's lifetimes, there may be, once again, room at the top for men. The North End has always had a really special place in my heart. It's been the site of many of the first in my life, and I used to live there. I had my first date with my Italian-American husband there. We had our wedding rehearsal dinner there, celebrated the baptism of our firstborn son there, and recently I was served my first subpoena there. <laughs> when they gave it to me, I said, what is this? I thought I ordered the veal milanese. And they said, you did, but instead we're giving you the vafangul. The three-hour morning put attendees in the best of spirits. And they left feeling like... We're walking on sunshine. Well, the people want sunshine. Well, the people want sunshine. All right, we're back with Talk in the Neighborhood. I'm Joe Heiss, your host. Tonight, we're also... Uh, uh, being simulcast on uh, WBCA Radio 102.9 FM, and of course, we're live here in the BNN studios in Eggleston Square. And uh, pleased to have joining me in this segment uh, another of the candidates running in a special election coming up on May 2nd. This one in the ninth Suffolk district, and uh, uh, same thing. The uh, uh, sitting state rep there. Uh, uh, resigned his post to take a, a cabinet post in the Healy administration. John Santiago is now the executive, uh, the uh, uh, secretary of veteran services for the Healy administration. Uh, there's two candidates in this race, it looks like, at this point, and I'm pleased to have joining me one of them now. Uh, John Moran is here. And John, nice to right. see you. Thanks nice for having you me. here. Uh, John is a... Uh, Works with uh, Biogen as an internal consultant and uh, making his first run for public office. That's yeah, right. Well, That's there right. you go. Congratulations. Thanks. What uh, what inspired you to want to do this? Uh, you're working in a pretty high-profile company in a position. Uh, why would you want to be a state rep? What what uh, uh, what prompted you to? papers for this. Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit, uh, Joe, in my blood. I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up a couple, right. my dad grew up you a couple. You Joe Biden, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, wow. as a matter of fact, my dad grew up uh, just a couple doors from, from really? the Bidens. And wow. my uncle played baseball. So it was, and, 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 and you know, in turn, I uh, had uh, many of my family members. Uh, my grandfather's brother was a state rep and a city councilor. 
My brother is active in politics uh, in the Democratic Party in Scranton. So a little bit in my blood. Uh, but then, you know, I, I have learned over the last few years that, you know, community service has always been a part of, of my family and uh, very important public service. And the last few years, I've, I've been working with the District 7 Advisory Council uh, with Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, who's, who's endorsed me. And I just felt that it was the right time, uh, based on that experience with all of the work I've done, uh, to advance uh, the, uh, the, you know, the sort of uh, special uh, thoughts and, and the special you know, circumstances of Roxbury to mm -hmm. the city as a whole. Right. I feel it was a time for me to uh, step forward, uh, run for office, um, and uh, make a difference. I mm -hmm. think that's what I really like. To, I'd like to you know, sort of take charge of making change and making a difference, and I think it's the right time yeah. for me to do that. What, uh, how do you describe yourself? I mean, what, what, what do you tell people? Uh, your best skills uh, that makes you uh, uh, suitable to be a state lawmaker? I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is being a problem solver. Um, so in large corporations that I've been part of, uh, the, the main uh, tool that I've used is, you know, in fact, my practice, internal consulting practice at Biogen is in change management and Lean Six mm -hmm. Sigma, which is essentially problem solving. Mm -hmm. So I like to look at problems from all angles uh, leverage some tools, some simple, simple tools to define a problem. And so I feel that uh, that is very applicable and I've proven in my community activism within the South End that if you really take and pay attention to understand what problem you're trying mm -hmm. to solve, uh, take some time to really understand the current state in that situation and then talk to both sides. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, John Santiago going right. up to the the state house, and I think um, you know, as, as a secretary of Veterans Affairs, and I think he's he's a great example of someone who listens to both sides, who can really distill information. In his case, a doctor. Uh, my case, I can't take that much credit, but but you know, I think with internal and that sort yeah. of problem also doctor, problem within. solving skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you see then uh, as the biggest uh, you know the biggest issue or the biggest need in your in your district, and that's a very diverse district. And yeah. can we bring up that map again? I mean, I, I think it's helpful yeah. for people to kind of understand. I mean, it, it just kind of cuts across, you know, a lot of different little pieces of uh, the city and different unique area, including New Market Square, of course, you know, uh, Mass and Cass. Uh, yeah. Been in the news for the last year and still a problem down yeah. there. But uh, yeah. what, do you, what do you see as the biggest need? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely want to, agree with you that it's very diverse. I spent last weekend in the sort of rain going through and knocking doors in the Polish Triangle in Dorchester. Uh, I've spent some time in, in Roxbury this week. Uh, then we have, you know, all the way to the Back Bay, uh, Copley Square. Mm -hmm. So it's a very diverse uh, set. And even within the South End, I would argue, uh, you know, one of the benefits of running for public office is that you knock on a lot of doors and you see a lot of different faces and you see multimillionaires living next to folks uh, that who are renting and um, in different types of situations, uh, so you definitely see the diversity. But in terms of the the issues, uh, you know they're pretty clear, and I think you hit on one of them. I mean, from a from a mental health uh, and addiction perspective, uh, it, in Boston, it's centered on Mass and Cass. I think it's a statewide issue for sure, um, and so we need to look at Mass and Cass with building on the great work that's being done, looking at it holistically mm -hmm. as a healthcare crisis. Um, and adding additional tools. I think another thing uh, that is clear is we've got an affordability crisis in housing. 
And so uh, one thing that I would like to do is to see more middle class mm -hmm. folks being able to stay in Boston. And I've been very pleased to see a couple projects in the South End related to uh, uh, the, using the Commonwealth Builder Fund, which is enabling mm -hmm. middle class folks uh, or a little above middle class folks mm -hmm. to at least stay in the neighborhood. And that's that's really yeah. clear. Do you rent or own yourself? Uh, so my partner and I have, uh, are very fortunate. And I say this on the campaign trail because I think it's really relevant is because I don't think this can occur today. We were, you know, early 30s ish and we were able to buy a home uh, on initially uh, buy a little condo on Waltham Street. Um, that was 24 years ago, 24 and change. Yeah. I know, quarter century ago, it's hard to believe, yeah. Joe. It's uh, a little bit hard to believe. But we were able to buy a home. And, and then we you know, traded up a little bit from there. Currently, we live on Concord Square. So, but I mean, the key is that today, that's not possible. And that gets me angry. And I yeah. want to make sure that you know, younger folks, uh, people of color, are able to have opportunities that Michael and I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's that's really that's really something. What do you think is the key to that? Uh, so would that be one of your biggest goals if you're if you are elected? Uh, it would be, and I think it's. Um, I think Joe, it's really supply and demand. I think we need more housing of all types, mm -hmm. uh, and that includes that includes rentals, that includes uh, market market rate rentals, includes uh, subsidized rentals, mm -hmm. um, but it also includes, I think, and, and this is a key. As talk, you know, over the last few years, I've been involved in uh, looking at the large development process and looking at the housing um, uh, proposals, which have been fantastic. Uh, the likes of you know icons like Sheila Dillon working as hard as she possibly can every single day to bring more more housing. But I, I do think there is some space. As I've asked questions on some meetings, I think there is some space to leverage state resources to bring uh, ownership, affordable ownership. Um, and and I, I, I say that the ownership piece has been a, a little bit of a learning process for me because working with the District 7 Advisory Council, right. uh, I came to understand that in Roxbury uh, as a whole, not just the part that's part of District 9, uh, over 83% of the housing stock are, uh, is, is rentals. Mm -hmm. And of that, about 63% are a, a, a subsidized in some right? manner. Yeah. And when she, you, was, she was here, and you mentioned uh, uh, Councillor uh, Fernandez. And, right. And that was one of the things she said, which I think shocks some people. It does, uh, yes. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, at least parts of her district were being yeah. overloaded with uh, affordable right. housing. Right. Uh, which is also having an effect, you know, right. uh, maybe the reverse effect. From right. And I think, I think the key there, Joe, is that they... They really want, uh, so the, just, you know, on the District 7 Advisory Council, sure. it's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, folks, local leaders. And what I hear over and over again is that, you know, the, the, the wrongs of the past with urban renewal, with, with land and buildings being taken away from families. And there are two families that are on the District 7 Advisory Council. It's not theoretical who had uh, possessions taken away from them. It's time to sort of build, you know, make, it, make the city more equal and and really wrong that right with more equity. And I think the way you do that is you start to build generational wealth. And you start to build generational wealth by enabling folks to get on the economic ladder of buying a home uh, of some type. And so I don't want to take away so from all the other. So it's not just affordable housing. It's affordable home ownership, too, right. you're saying, right? Exactly, Joe. I think it's a combination of those things. It's, it's an and conversation, mm -hmm. right? It's all the different types of housing but I would speak for potentially, you know, the folks that are uh, in, you know, parts of the South End that I would like 
you know, a middle, we're, we're losing our middle class in the South End. Mm -hmm. uh, we clearly are. You see storefronts closing. Closing. I was on a, uh, a uh, you know, meeting for one of the um, Wasana, which is one of our neighborhood associations, and someone asked me, you know, why, why are all the small businesses closing? Well, it's because the customers are, well, first part, they're using, you know, <laughs> they're using, they're, they're right. using Amazon.com right. or whatever, yeah. not, to, not to say, but they're, but the, the other issue is that there's just, people are moving away, and a lot of that, small businesses are the fabric of our community, and we need to, mm -hmm. we need to, we need to support them, but part of the way you support them is having enough individuals that live and thrive and, and shop at their at the shops, and I think yep. we don't want to have uh, we don't want to have a bunch of oligarchs living in South End and, and not have true. middle well, class. Well, a lot of those uh, the housing units there are multi-million dollar homes now. I, just and generally speaking, I mean, in your mind, is the legislature doing a good job of really addressing the needs of uh, of not just your district but of the state? Do you think the uh, or does there need to be some pretty dramatic changes up there. I think I think we need to push harder. Uh, I think there's you know obviously the executive branch now um, uh, with the lieutenant governor. There's going to be a big focus on building uh, you know more affordable homes, more uh, housing stock. So I think that's a good move. I think some of the legislation that's been put forth relative to you know uh, creating housing around M MBTA sites right. is very. I think it's very. Uh, I think it's 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 in the right direction, if you will. Uh, but yeah, but I think we could always do more. I mean, the challenge, obviously, as a legislator, is there's a bunch of issues that we need to address as a state. Um, but I would be a champion for making sure that this is a focus uh, for sure mm -hmm. if I were if I were elected. Well, and it looks like there'd be one other candidate in the race. But what is it that uh, differentiates you from your likely opponent? Uh, and there's, there probably won't. There isn't, uh, as I yeah. understand, a Republican running. So right. whoever wins the primary on May 2nd, in all likelihood, wins the seat. And there's right. a possibility of a write-in, but right. not likely. For sure. Uh, anyway, what, what yeah. differentiates you from your opponent in this race? Yeah, I think the way, uh, Joe, I like to describe it is I have both the sort of heart in terms of the love of the South and the diversity, uh, but also the head. So I think those two things combined, so I, so I have the knowledge and lived in this in, in the South End, and I guess I can say a quarter century now, <laughs> for a quarter century, yeah. and that has given me informed how how uh, I approach things in terms of making sure that we protect, uh, you know, the, from the Polish Triangle to uh, to Orchard Park to you know to to uh, Copley Square, the quality of life. Mm -hmm. But also, I think I have the head, and, and that means that I've proven ability to build coalitions within the community to uh, to uh, make sh to you know I'm invested in, in problem solving relative to it, things that come about and then I know how to uh, really kind of work with the different we need to work with everybody we need to build a big tent uh, we have various stakeholders uh, both at the, the city level and the state level that um, I, I know how from from working in big complex organizations I definitely know how to build coalitions I know how to problem solve and I think you know that may be a differentiator mm -hmm. um, you know, we shall see. Well, you know, it's one thing to uh, govern, you know, if you're elected, if you're fortunate enough to be elected, but uh, it's another thing to win a campaign. There are two distinct yeah. things. What's your yeah. strategy for winning this campaign? Well, I think these are the only shoes I'm wearing tonight that uh, don't have worn out don't soles. Don't have holes, right? Uh, because all of the wise people who 
have come before me, uh, have, have said the same thing in terms of seeking their advice. And I, I do appreciate the advice, which is, you know, uh, signs don't vote, uh, you know, fancy pamphlets don't vote. What votes is people and the way you, you connect with those people is you knock on every door you possibly can. And that's what I've been focused on. Uh, every minute I possibly can, I'm in uh, the neighborhoods, I'm knocking on doors, I'm meeting people. And frankly, it's exhilarating. It's, it's one of the best things I've ever done because, yeah. as I mentioned before, I'm meeting people from all walks of life, uh, from various uh, backgrounds, and you know, some have been in the neighborhoods for 30 years, some have been in the neighborhoods for five years. Uh, but listening to their stories, mm -hmm. Um, my telling my stories, it's been really enriching. I really am very fortunate to be able to do this. Well, you meet a lot of really great people in the campaign trail, I will say that. All right, now I want to ask you, we've got just a few minutes left, and again, for those uh, that are just tuning in, uh, John Moran is here. He's running uh, for the 9th Suffolk House District that's uh, centered in the South End but includes parts of the three or four other neighborhoods. Uh, State Auditor Diane DiZoglio says the legislature needs to be audited. Do you agree with her? Well, it's a good question, and I think um, that um, you know we need to look at it from the perspective of she's got a lot of experience, right? She's been in, uh, she's been in the House, she's been in the Senate, um, and I, I think that I just take this back to you know without understanding, without being elected, what I would do, right? So I would. Um, be transparent. I think that I, I would certainly post on the internet um, every vote that I take and my financials. And I, I think that the argument is a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit too much of an altercation right now. I'd mm -hmm. like to have the dialogue and kind of get some of the facts out of why and why not. Um, I know that um, there's some very wise people who have said we have external auditors already doing that. So what is the difference? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the well, type of speaker, thing. Speaker uh, Mariano says, uh, you know, they don't, she doesn't have the authority to do it, and then mm -hmm. all the records are public anyway. But uh, you know, some people think you know, uh, could be the process could be more open, and you're mm -hmm. talking about opening up. Yeah. What about Speaker Mariano? Could you can you work with him? Is that somebody you can work with? Uh, and yeah. what about his leadership team? Is that somebody you can work with? So absolutely, you know, I think that one of the, my strengths is working with people and, and building coalitions. And granted, I'll be a, I guess, freshman or a, you know, a new legislator, mm -hmm. but uh, I think one of the things that my parents taught me is to you know, be able to relate to all different types of people mm -hmm. and, and, and understand uh, that you, know, you have a place, to, you, have, you have something to bring to every situation, regardless of your um, number of years you've been uh, on the Hill, but yes, I can absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely work uh, with, I don't think there's anyone, I can't think of many people that I have not been able to work mm -hmm. with, and I don't think this, is, this certainly is an exception. Well, you know, uh, and, uh, it may be beyond that, it may have been decided before you get up there if you're elected, but uh, Mayor Wu has uh, a number of things uh, pending for the legislature, and not the least of which is a, a rent stabilization or rent control, depending upon who you talk to. Would, will you support that if that comes up there? So I, I would, and I, I think that from a perspective, you know, I've admired the, the mayor for a long time. Uh, I think she's a thoughtful person. It's a very, uh, you know, reasonable proposal. And, and, and one thing, though, that I've said on the campaign trail, and I'll say here, is that we just need to be uh, careful 
so that, just be careful that it's not going to penalize small landlords. And, and that doesn't mean I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't support it. It just means I want to just say that, for example, another thoughtful piece of legislation was a short-term rental ordinance that was mm -hmm. put into place a few mm -hmm. years ago, which, again, the mayor did a fabulous job working with mm -hmm. ADCO and all these different organizations. Unfortunately, there were a couple loopholes in there that large corporations took advantage of, uh, and those are specifically the healthcare stay uh, and the uh, lodging house ex uh, loopholes. So what you have in many instances is you have short-term, uh, short basically you have whole buildings that are Airbnbs, right. including uh, on the street that I live in. So, so I just want to be very cognizant of and careful about uh, the, making sure that how that's a defined. mom and pop landlord yeah. that has two or three buildings. I have a couple. I've talked to a couple. You know, and I'm all about listening to the people of mm -hmm. the district. Um, and you know, there are a few instances where there, folks may own two or three buildings, or in, in one case, two buildings. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just don't want to see them in some ways. Uh, I just don't, I want to make sure there's nothing behind the scenes that's going to penalize them find and benefit out after large the fact, corporations. Right, find right. out after the fact. Uh, yeah. Well, you work for a large corporation. What, what about how do you, uh, we've got just a minute or two left. Yeah. How, how do you kind of uh, distance yourself uh, from that enough to be objective on all these various issues, uh, including some that may not benefit them? There's likely to be a vote coming up on tax cuts, uh, that mm -hmm. type of thing. How do you deal, how do you find that, strike that balance? How will Representative Moran strike that balance? Which, incidentally, if you're elected, that would be about, I think, three or four Morans up there now. <laughs> I know, I know, and I have a brother named Mike Moran, too. He's probably <laughs> listening right now. So, uh, so, I, so first of all, I would, you know, uh, if elected, I, I will not be in the corporate sector, no, so I will... No. Uh, focus on this role full time, sure. um, but you know, in terms of even today, when I'm working with, uh, with on District Seven Advisory Council issues, uh, it's easy for me to, uh, in in the current environment that I'm in, uh, to be passionate about what I do, mm -hmm. to uh, put as much diligence in there. I don't see any conflict in supporting and fighting for the rights of affordable home uh, uh, folks or. And, and thankfully, the companies I've worked for, whether it be Liberty Mutual or Bose or, or Biogen, uh, you know, never saw a conflict in that either. So, uh, it, you know, it's very comfortable. I mean, my practice is in organizational change management and, uh, and uh, continuous improvement, mm -hmm. which is, you know, sort of problem solving. Uh, so maybe by virtue of that, I'm working with all different types, all different parts of the companies. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know. What's the biggest change you'd like to see happen, just very quickly? Biggest change? Yes, I'd say uh, the biggest change I'd like to see is 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 more uh, more affordability in, yeah. in for, for for residents of Boston yeah. for sure. Well, it's a big challenge, I, I think, uh, for a lot of people. And uh, uh, John Moran, thank you so much for coming Thanks in and joining us. Thanks very us. much, Joe. Appreciate uh, it. Again, John Moran is uh, running for the ninth Suffolk House seat. That's in a special election. The primary, uh, they're all Democrats, uh, is May second. If you live in well, South End, parts of Dorchester, parts of Roxbury, Lower Roxbury, and uh, even part of the Back Bay, uh, this is a race you'll want to pay attention and turn out and vote for. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for tonight. I want to thank you for watching Talk of the Neighborhoods. We'll be back two weeks from tonight. Until then, for the entire staff and crew here at BNN, have a pleasant evening. Good night.